0: This show is made possible by members and donors who sign up at bestoftheleft.com and also by gotomeeting.com, green technology helping reduce the need for business travel. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, The Colbert Report, The Jimmy Dore Show, The Onion Radio News, and Counterspin with a bonus video clip for our iPhone app users from The Young
1: Turks.
2: The Texas State Board of Education has finally made a ruling. Uh, they voted uh, nine to five in uh, for new high school standards in their textbooks. Their textbooks uh, reach four point eight million uh, students in Texas over the next ten years, uh, but also are very important to the whole country because since Texas is such a large state, a lot of other states simply take the Texas uh, state books. And put them in their classrooms as well. So, very uh, broad implications for the country. So, they had some debates. I want to tell you about some of uh, the results. Uh, first of all, uh, they decided to uh, uh, le- reject language to modernize the classification of historic periods from uh, BCE and CE to the traditional BC and AD. So, is it before Christ or after Christ or does it not have to do with Christ? I think Ben and I are of the same mind here. That ship has sailed.
3: Yeah, we lost that one. It's okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. It's BC. Everybody calm down, even if you're a lib, it's going to be all right. Even if you're an atheist, it's called BC and AD and let's move on with our lives, okay? okay. Uh there are more important things in the world. All right. Now, in my opinion, The another thing that they lost on was one of the Republicans introduced uh a provision that would when they referred to President Obama, refer to him in his full name, Barack Hussein Obama well originally
3: uh, the uh, history course referred to the election of the first black president and then incredibly disingenuously a Republican there named David Bradley said I think we give him the honor and privilege the full honor and privilege of his full name <laughs> and then even other Republicans
2: stood up and they said look dude
3: don't drag us into that again okay yeah. just let's The intent behind what you're doing, another Republican said, I think it's pretty obvious. (laughs) (laughs) We see where you're driving with. Yes. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. So eventually he withdrew that. He withdrew that. So they that did not go into the books. Okay. Now uh here's some of the things that did. A new requirement that public school students in Texas evaluate efforts by global organizations such as the United Nations to undermine U.S. sovereignty. Yeah, that's taught by Professor Sean Hannity. What efforts? I mean, they're putting this in a textbook. What efforts does the U.S. secretly have to undermine our sovereignty and apparently threaten
3: our individual liberty and freedom? The uh, one of the most outspoken conservatives on the board, Republican Don uh, McLaury, uh, who I believe lost uh, in the last, uh, uh, recently in the mo- most recent uh, election, but he's still on the board. He argued that he put that amendment up there. He argued that efforts to quote put us under World Court and to impose the sovereignty of americas under treaties that have been signed with these united Norga, united nations organizations that's a quote that's he's a crazy person who talks like that and look i'm surprised
2: they didn't put the black helicopters in the textbook this is supposed to be a textbook where we learn facts not your political opinions uh they say that uh they strengthened the requirements on teaching the judeo christian influences of the nation's founding fathers And are watering down the rationale for the separation of church and state. Now again, it's a history textbook. The separation of church and state is real. Just read the First Amendment, right? Uh, Let alone the other parts of the Constitution. And the founding fathers, a lot of them were Deists and did not have Judeo-Christian
3: heritage, and let alone as a basis for the Constitution. Again, they're always talking about uh, how the the Judeo-Christian nation, and they're always these guys also want to minimize the separation of church and state, and the founding, like the founding fathers put it in there. I don't understand how they reconcile that part. Well, they do it by pretending otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how they do it. They do it by lying. This is another thing. Another Republican amendment dropped the study of a landmark 1949 federal court ruling that declared schools could not legally segregate Mexican American students. Remember, this is Texas, so right. it's relevant. So, 1949 federal court ruling says you can't legally segregate Mexican American students. That's what Texas was doing. It's a pretty good ruling. Uh, and though, even though the te- practices has remained popular, <laughs> remained popular <laughs> in Texas for decades, um, the Republican wanted to drop it. No men- don't mention the case like it didn't happen. And again, the guy who restored it is the one Republican who is voting with Democrats, the one moderate Republican who has got to be doing this the entire time, rubbing <laughs> his temples like Ed Harris in uh, Apollo 13. It keeps
2: going. Uh, they want to take away, uh, and they did to the referring to the U.S. government as a costume
3: They want to refer to it as a constitutional republic rather than a democratic country. Yeah, they don't want to call it a democracy because it got those first four letters. It sounds like Democrat. <laughs>
2: ridiculous they want and then uh they want to question the value of the US dollar and in, including the abandonment of the gold standard in other words they should they want the kids to study whether we should go back to the gold standard now i got a lot of problems with the value of the US dollar one my opinion should not go into a history textbook <laughs> and number two you want to go back to the gold standard uh, come on uh, i mean this is all madness all right now having said that let's get to the uh my, my favorite part of it Um, So, they had the thing where I ignore the thing we did about the Mexican
3: Americans. And then they said. And just talk about Jeff Davis. Include Jeff
2: Davis. Right. And then uh, they agreed to delete a requirement that sociology students, quote, explain how institutional racism is evident in American society. So, now, let's not discuss that. It's not, no, there is no racism in society. Why? Because there was never any slavery in society. Mm -mm. What? No, what? Okay, now, this one lost, but it was proposed by Republicans that they change the name of the slave trade quote, the Atlantic
3: triangular trade, the slave trade, would be referred to as the Atlantic triangular trade. Huh? They were exchanging triangles, were they? They were exchanging triangles. <laughs> what they do is they would go to Africa, and they would pick up these triangles, <laughs> and they would put them in boats, and they would take the triangles uh, uh, back to Europe and the Americas, and then they would sell them, and they would put the triangles to work. <laughs> <laughs> For no money. <laughs> For no money. They wouldn't okay. pay
2: the triangle. Why would you pay a triangle? <laughs> right. Now, if you don't say the word slavery, then it didn't exist. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, look. I know what they're referring to. Of course, there was a, a, a tri- triangular trade with rum, et cetera, and we get it. But that wasn't the main thrust of the trade. Wasn't the three different places that they ran the goods. Hey, from. look. If
3: you talk about the slave trade, you can talk about the. Economics of the slave trade. Of course, I got it. I got it. Yeah, and you should definitely be
2: teach the kids about the triangle
3: where they ran the yeah. rum and the slaves, yeah. etc. Talk about the triangular trading of slaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, are you kidding me, man? I mean, look, that goes
2: to show you one, how little they care about history, and two, what a joke they are. That the textbooks, history textbooks, would not mention slavery, but the Atlantic triangular trade.
3: Anyway, that didn't pass. All right. Well, luckily that didn't pass, but all the other goofy things we told you did pass. Well, some of them did, and then eventually they had to be restored. Eventually they settled. They they did change this to the Transatlantic Slave Ship. Well, oh,
2: to my it's, it's, yeah, slavery exists again. Okay. Or the fact that it happened in the past exists again because Texas, are they not merciful? <laughs> Have decided that yes, we can mention the word slave.
4: Swing,
5: Swing low,
6: sweet Come in. Hi Jay, this is Celery from Lansing, Michigan I've been listening to your show for about two years now And I recently purchased a year-long subscription I'd like to encourage all your listeners to do the same thing Because it's really giving back And I love this show I listened to it before I watched my video podcast from Keith and Rachel I listened to it before any of the other the midweeks of Citizen Radio And I've seen... Every left politic podcast on iTunes, and this is honestly the best I've seen. So, everybody needs to call in and donate or buy a year long membership because it would really help. We need to get the message out. Thanks. Bye.
7: They say those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Also, walk around naked, not the best idea either. This is tip of the hat, wag of the finger. Up, ladies and folks, it's no secret that our public schools are cash strapped. High school biology classes are so hard up for funding, they have to dissect the school mascot. <laughs> but rather than raise my taxes to pay for vanity items like desks and knowledge, one school district is using the free market. Jim?
8: Homework time is getting a little more lucrative in Peabody Public Schools. The district hoping to raise cash by selling ad space on the backs of notices and permission slips that wind up in the hands of parents constantly. That's potentially an extra fifteen dollars to $24,000 a year for the district.
7: With all the money they'll be making on the field trip permission slips, maybe they can afford to go on field trips. <laughs> so I'm giving a big tip of my hat to the Peabody Public Schools for turning our children into walking pop-up ads. <laughs> First of all, yeah, give it up. First of all, this is great news for kids, because now when they take home a disciplinary note from their teacher, their parents will say, "Brian, I am so disappointed. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ground you." For hey, mattress barn is having a half off sale on bed skirts. I say, why stop at school notes when there are so many more edu opportunities out there? Why not let advertisers buy prime space on our tests? Instead of, what is the Pythagorean theorem, how about, which Taco Bell gordita is the most fresco supreme? That, that obviously is a trick question. They're all equally delicious.
9: like everybody these days is talking about education reform well there's a new movie out called Waiting for Superman and the point of that movie is you can't wait for Superman to come fix your problems that we have to do something else to fix the problems but they never say really what except you know You gotta break the teacher union somehow. That's what they're saying. In fact, I turned on MSNBC the other day and saw one of my favorite progressives, Jenk Eucher, talking about the success of Michelle Ray. She's the chancellor of the Washington DC schools. She's a hard-nosed reformer with almost zero years of teaching experience, but she knows how to fix public schools. Hey, let's just what has she accomplished, Jenk?
2: Let's take a quick look at just some of the things that Ray was able to get done in arguably the nation's most difficult urban school system. She dismissed 241 teachers, put another 737 on notice that if they did not improve, they too would be shown the door, reclosed two dozen schools that were not getting it done, and she negotiated a groundbreaking contract with the teachers union that included provisions for performance pay and ending tenure as a job-for-life provision. That means teachers who are rated as ineffective are immediately terminated. If they're rated minimally effective, they have possible pay raises frozen, and if they show no improvement in two years they also get fired wow
9: sounds like michelle ray sure did fire a bunch of teachers and close a bunch of schools that's what she got done in three years as chancellor now that's tough love well it's tough anyway did it help students who knows all i know is If the goal was to demonize teachers while scoring cheap political points and increasing class sizes as well, well, Michelle Ray sure did get her done. You know, you can rant on and on about firing the bad teachers and keeping the good teachers. Everybody wants to do that. But there's a lot of other issues. Like, one of the issues is how do you determine who's bad and who's good? For instance, one study found that fewer than one-third of the teachers who were ranked in the top 20% one year were in that top group the next year, while another third moved all the way down from the top 20% to the bottom 40% within a single year. So how did that happen? How did they go from being a good teacher to being a bad teacher in one single year? It sounds crazy, so I'm just going to go ahead and blame the unions, especially because there's a simple solution here. All you have to do is fire the teachers in the years they're bad, then hire them back when they're good. Problem solved. Well, Jenk was interviewing a guy named Daryl Bradford, the executive director of a foundation, an organization called E3, Excellent Education for Everyone. And their big idea to help reform education is exactly the same as Michelle Ray's. She wants to privatize education and break the teachers union. In fact, you think I'm kidding. Here's the question that Jenk proposed to him
2: nationwide. Do we have to I mean, this sounds radical, but do we have to break the teachers unions? And look, I, and I, I'm split on unions.
9: Let me just break in here and say I'm split on unions, too. I mean, let's are they good or bad? I don't know. Let's look at the countries that do have unions, you know, like um, United States, Western Europe. Um, let's look at the countries that don't have unions. China. OK, well, like I said, I'm split. OK, back to the question.
2: And is that the problem here that, that you got t- teachers who are get, there's nobody else in a corporation? They're fighting against the corporation yeah.
9: here. There's no other power to balance them out. Yes, see that's the crazy things about those teacher unions. There's no other power to check them. You know, like when they're negotiating their contracts. They're in a room all by themselves, negotiating with a bunch of empty chairs. Which explains why teachers have historically been the most overpaid people in our society.
2: It's like unions aren't teacher unions aren't fundamentally the problem, but they
9: are the problem when schools are bad. Right? Um just so you guys know. He said that with a straight face. Yes, there's there's teacher unions at the best schools and there's teacher unions at the worst schools. So according to our friend Daryl Bradford, if you want to determine why one school is good and one school is bad, don't look at what's different about them. You're supposed to look at what they have in common. So let's see. The good schools, their parents are involved in their education. They have a safe learning environment and small class sizes. Is that what they have at the bad schools? No? Hmm, well, that can't be the problem then. They have teacher unions at the good schools. Well, do they have them at the bad schools? Yes, they do. Well, that must be the problem. I guess that's the logic. Okay, now let's get back to some more union bashing and scapegoating.
2: And what they really have is the best interests of their members at heart, because their members pay dues, and their economic interests ultimately trump everybody else's.
9: Okay, okay, I think we finally put our finger on the problem here. The problem is... That the teacher's economic interests ultimately trump everybody else's. That must be why teachers are so lavishly paid. Because they're so busy worrying about their economic interests. That's why you always hear about people getting out of corporate America and becoming teachers. It's not because being a faceless office drone and a slave to the quarterly balance sheet is ultimately a dissatisfying and soul-crushing existence. No, it's because teachers are making that sweet, sweet bank. Oh, thank God somebody finally had the balls to stand up to these fat cat teachers. You know, I have a little anecdote I think sums up what's wrong with today's education and today's teachers. My niece just graduated Princeton, top of her class. I told her, honey, use your gifts, go to Wall Street help people but she decided to cash in became a teacher because she's nothing but a goddamn money grubber
0: If you're like most Americans, you're dreading the idea of traveling to be with those you love this holiday season, knowing that this time spent watching your children form memories that will last a lifetime is keeping you from the important sales presentations that really matter. With GoToMeeting, you can give an engaging presentation by showing your desktop via the internet to clients and colleagues. The software installs quickly and is so easy and effective that your meeting will be wrapped up before the tryptophan has a chance to take effect. Visit gotomeeting.com and use the promo code podcast to try unlimited meetings for 45 days. That's gotomeeting.com promo code podcast for this special free 45-day trial. Let your,
10: head let your head down.
2: We go to Oklahoma where they have done a study of public high school students and how much they know about uh the United States government and a little bit about history. But it's very very simple actually. What they did was they asked them uh the 10 questions that you would get asked in a citizenship test. So you know how you know people scream about illegal immigrants or legal immigrants, you know, some do some don't, mainly illegal, but So then they say, Oh, they don't know anything about this country, they don't respect this country, they don't respect its traditions and its culture, and they gotta learn how to speak English and they gotta know something about America. Well, this test is passed by ninety two percent of immigrants on the first try. Okay, now they study for it a little bit to be fair, right? So but they ninety two percent pass. When they gave it to students in Oklahoma, high school students, three percent of them passed. And pass means you get six out of ten only 3% of them got 6 out of 10. So now you got to be wondering how hard are the questions? Well, here's a question. Who was the first president of the United States? You want to know the incredibly depressing percentage of Oklahoma high school students that knew that answer? 23%. 77% of high school students in Oklahoma did not know who the first president of the United States was. There is something terribly wrong with our public school system I mean I don't know if we have to double the budget triple the budget I don't know if it's a budget thing I don't know if we got to fix our culture but I, I, that is beyond unacceptable. all right I'm gonna give you all the questions okay so you play along with me and I'm gonna try to be as fair as they can okay so number one what is the supreme law of the land? okay now you can get a little thrown off by that at first I was like wait because I hadn't you know seen this test. Uh, this version of the test, um, I was like, do they mean federal law, uh, federal treaties, international treaties? And I was like, oh, obviously they mean the U.S. Constitution. Okay, so I went one for one on that one. But you know, if that throws off the kids, all right, I hear you. Only 28% of the kids got that. Okay, what do we call the first ten amendments of the Constitution? Come on, come on, come on! You got to know this. Come on! If you took anything about U.S. history, first ten amendments, Bill of Rights, right? Only 26% of the kids got. What are the two parts of the US Congress? Come on, please, 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 please. Senate and the House of Representatives, right? Uh, 27% of the kids knew it. How many justices are on the Supreme Court? This is probably the toughest question, okay? Now, of course, I know it. I went to law school, et cetera. Nine, right? Uh, probably a lot of you know it. 10% of the kids knew it. Only 10% of the kids. Who wrote the Declaration of Independence? On so many of these questions, I'm like, please, please, come on! You got to know that. What do they teach you if, da- if they don't teach you that? Thomas Jefferson, obviously, 14 percent of the kids knew. 14 percent. All right. Uh, this is the one that they did the best on. All right. The only answer that was above 50 percent. What ocean is on the east coast of the United States? Nicely done, kids. Atlantic. 61 percent got it right. Uh, what are the two major political parties in the United States? Only 43 percent got it right.
9: How could you not know the
2: two parties? How could 57% of the kids, a majority of the kids, not know the two parties? Republican Party, Democratic Party. It's not complicated. We elect a U.S. Senator for how many years? You can argue this one's a tougher one for, uh, for kids, too. Um, but I knew all this when I was in high school. 11% got it right, six years, of course. Who was the first president of the United States? We told you that one. Only 23% got it right. And then who's in charge of the executive branch? That one's really complicated. It's the president. Only 29% of the kids got it. They're not elementary school kids, they're high school. What are we teaching them if they don't know the answers to these questions? If they don't know the answers to these questions, what do they know the answer to? Seriously, this is super depressing. I mean, now we're raising a country of in- incredibly ignorant people. And then we're surprised at the political results we get. We're surprised that people show up to you know rallies with signs that say "pollutions are for dippers," <laughs> you know, they can't spell politicians or diapers, and then say, "Ah, that's the Tetri English only," <laughs> you know, or they show up with ridiculous signs that, you know, I'm informed from by Fox News and informed is misspelled. I mean, they don't know anything. Uh, you look, I hope they're going to do it with other states. I hope the other states do a little better than Oklahoma. I, I hope it's an Oklahoma problem, but I fear that it is not, that it's a national problem. The first president. I wonder if the kids who answer that wrong, if they know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Be, I'm asking a literal question, because if they don't know that, I literally don't know what they know. What the hell do they know? I, if they don't know who George Washington is, then they know. Nothing about American history, and if they don't, that how do you graduate? I'm telling you, man, I can't, I can't express to you how blown I uh, away I am by these results. No, I know I've seen the you know jaywalking segments that Leno does. I've seen it all, but they're in high school learning it now. They're not even forgetting it ten or twenty years later. They're like, oh yeah, first president Washington, what, huh, what? Jesus, man. i, I Look, if I'm the president and I see this, I rip up the whole education system. I say, look, 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 here's what we're going to do. We're going to start from scratch. Okay, I'm going to do a new curriculum. i don't, I got to do something, you know? I, this is a national emergency. We have a country of retard.
8: <laughs> yeah, the country's had an issue with uh, education for a really long time, and people are starting to pay attention to it now. And the study you're talking about, I don't know if you mentioned this, uh, was done by a conservative think tank. And what they found was uh, this is a problem in a lot of conservative states like Oklahoma, Arizona, Texas. And remember, we did a story on Texas and how their state school board doesn't want to teach about civil rights leaders. They think that it's not important. So, a lot of times, it, it, it does have to do with funding, but it also has to do with the fact that these idiots are running the school boards, and they don't know what's right for these students.
2: But, you know, there's, I have a very ironic conclusion from that. Now, whether they teach evolution or not is another topic that keeps coming up over and over, right? Uh, and now I think it's irrelevant. What difference would it make if they taught evolution? You think any of these kids would understand it? They'd be like, what? And then what
8: happened to the butterfly? Another problem is um, a lot of the stimulus money that. Obama gave to these school districts, right? In, uh-huh. as part of this you know stimulus plan or whatever, to revamp the education system. A lot of the conservative districts rejected that money because they're like, oh, we're not going to take money from this this liberal <laughs>
2: No, no, I hear you. socialists yeah. And they devalue education, they devalue facts, they devalue all this stuff. You're very right about that. And Anne actually writes about education, okay? To, 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 uh,
8: yeah, examiner.com. You guys should check it out.
2: Examiner.com, <laughs> where Anna's beat is education. So don't mess around with her, okay? So she knows what she's talking about. That's all true, Anna. But this is not just a conservative problem, okay? This is too big a problem to just pin it on conservatives. And uh, I just. If my kids did not pass this test, get a 6 out of 10, and only 3% of the kids did, right? I would beat them. Okay? Now, I don't believe in corporal punishment, and I. Okay? But I'd have to do something. I'd have to take drastic action. I don't mean severely, but there'd be a spanking involved. Okay, there'd be like corporal consequences to this.
11: I'm not trying to give excuses, but maybe there's
4: some kids that are interested in politics. The government. Uh,
2: yeah, 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 What are they interested What are they interested in? They interested in? <laughs> maybe they're to math, science. Uh, I, I here, I'll make a prediction. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, yeah these guys are doing trick.
6: You away from me. By trigonometry, but not a single tear
9: was shed. That's not the only part. You gave me my broken heart and took away the girl I.
12: I'm Michael Coe, filling in for Clifford Baines, who is fighting his nemesis atop of an abandoned clock tower. A new study by the Department of Education finds that students who think school is a boring waste of time score significantly lower on their standardized tests than their peers. Are these exams biased against students who don't give a
1: shit?
10: Absolutely. These kids are placed at an unfair disadvantage. You know, students who don't care enough to read through to the end of a word problem have an 89% lower chance of answering it correctly. I mean, there's something wrong with that question. Uh Yep, you're right. And
11: studies also show that students who randomly fill in answer bubbles to make a UFC logo on their answer sheet score consistently worse than their peers.
10: How are the
5: kids who don't care going to get ahead. That's right. Thank you know you. The deck is stacked against the child whose pencil breaks mm-hmm. and then he doesn't feel like getting up to go sharpen it and so mm-hmm. he just chooses right. fingernails
10: mm-hmm. for the rest mm-hmm. of the we test. we need to test these kids on what they know not what we want them to know. But
12: clearly this isn't just about the test. It's about the system as a whole. Should schools that's be correct. doing more to reach out to students oh, yeah. that don't care about oh, schools? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. There for are course.
5: no role models for these students in their textbooks. None. They just read about motivated people like George Washington and, and Frederick Douglass. What about all the historical figures who didn't give a fuck about
10: anything? Yes, exactly. that's exactly you run. never
12: hear about them Calvin Coolidge's brother Thomas he hung around the White House for years before he finally died of alcohol poisoning yeah.
10: well I mean look there's a larger issue at play here which is that there is a, a big social stigma in this country against lazy self-centered assholes yes. and you and know these kids are suffering because of this you know yeah. the
5: purpose of school is to prepare our kids for the real world and in the real world people don't give a people shit,
12: don't give a shit. P- no, s- don't companies have started professional programs specifically for students who don't care of course we know Kinkos has been doing this for years they hire thousands of students I think
10: it's so great that they're reaching out to these kids I mean I didn't care about anything when I was in school.
8: Really? No Changed.
10: You know, fortunately, I, I was very blessed to have a teacher that reached out to me and taught me the importance of pretending to give a shit about oh, things. Wow. Without him, I certainly would never be the successful wow. pundit that I am today. <laughs>
5: And finally, corporate media coverage of education often boils down to one lesson. Bad schools are the fault of teachers' unions. The cover story of the March 15th issue of Newsweek fits this anti-teacher model perfectly. The unions protect horrible teachers while blocking charter schools, which are an obvious solution for failing schools. Never mind that this has never been demonstrated to be the case. The piece finds this silver lining in Hurricane Katrina. It thankfully dislodged the educational establishment. In New Orleans, and the decision to fire every teacher at a struggling Rhode Island school is a notable breakthrough. A separate article pitting Teachers Union President Randy Weingarten and anti union DC schools chancellor Michelle Rhee is presented on Newsweek's website with the headline The Union Boss versus the school reformer. As if the language wasn't a clear enough signal, the photo shows Weingarten, mouth wide open and shouting, while Ree sits calmly at a table. That cover story, co-written by Evan Thomas, features this subhead. In no other profession are workers so insulated from accountability. Now this is ironic, considering Thomas's contribution to the pre-Iraq War propaganda effort. A 2003 cover story called Saddam's War, which included a dubious anecdote about an Iraqi plan to dress up soldiers in U.S. uniforms. Quote, the plan? To have Saddam's men, posing as Western invaders, slaughter Iraqi citizens while the cameras roll for Al Jazeera and the credulous Arab press. Close quote. The article closed on Hussein possibly unleashing a green mushroom over Baghdad, to which Newsweek responded, quote, he has the means and the demonic imagination. It is up to U.S. armed forces to stop him, close quote. Evan Thomas is lucky there's no accountability in his profession.
0: You can support this podcast at no additional cost yourself when you shop at Amazon through a special widget posted at com. You can use the widget to search for what you're looking for or simply click through and shop the site normally. Better yet, click through on the widget once and bookmark that page to use every single time you shop. By doing this, Amazon will donate around 7 or 8% of the cost of your order to support this show without adding a dime to your bill. It's very little effort on your part but can make a huge difference to support the show. Check out the widget on the right side of bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support.
7: a documentary about our schools called Waiting for Superman.
11: Since the 1970s, US schools have failed to keep pace with the rest of the world. Among 30 developed countries, we rank 25th in math and 21st in science. The top 5% of our students, our very best, ranked 23rd out of 29 developed countries. In almost every category, we've fallen behind, except one The same study looked at math skills and found in these eight countries, the USA ranked last. But when researchers asked the students how they felt they had done, did I get good marks in mathematics? Kids from the USA ranked number one in confidence. That
7: kid just learned plenty about gravity. Please welcome Davis Guggenheim!
9: Davis, thanks so much!
7: See that? That's confidence. That is confidence. I think that kid's an inspiration. You just go for it, whether or not your math works out. I think
11: it's a really good idea.
7: Now, uh, uh, you directed An Inconvenient Truth. That's right, Okay. Now you got Waiting for Superman, there's also a book companion to it, Waiting for Superman, How We Can Save America's Failing Public Schools. Why do we want to save public schools? Because that's just more big government telling us what the quadratic equation
11: is. Because, Steven, in America, it's a big idea that all of us, if they work hard and they go to school, They have a chance at the American dream. Okay, but I'm taking care of my
7: kids. I got my kids in a private school. You know, I got mine, Jack. Why should I care about other people's children? Make, a, make the case why I should care about other humans.
11: Well, it used to be, it used to be that you could uh, uh, buy a, a house in a suburb, and, and, that, and that's enough, and take care of your own. But now, what I found when I follow the kids in my movie is what affects... Um, what, what happens to them affects all of us. It affects the price of your home. How? How? It affects does it affect? how safe your neighborhood is and it affects our economy. We're not. I have we're a not, gated neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> we're not producing enough skilled workers, Stephen, for the modern economy. But, but,
7: okay, okay, so, but we can, we can outsource some of that stuff.
11: We have Don't been, the other countries have skilled labor? We, we have been doing that, but, you know, we're, we have more than a 1,200,000 kids that are dropping out every year. We're spending thirty to $50,000 a year on prisons, and we're not putting the, the money and the effort and the commitment into our public schools.
7: Okay, so who, who, do you, who do you blame for this? You blame the teachers' unions? All of us. All the adults, people like you and me who send our kids You're to, blaming me? Yeah. You're blaming me? Well, you and I send... Why? Her- Why am I to blame? Because you better back this up, buddy. <laughs>
11: <laughs> the big idea is that we put, you know, is that... Um, what adults do is they protect their own kids. They, they do. right do. by their kids, and they should. I'm, mama Grizz, I'm a mama grizzly. But now, <laughs> but now we have to protect other people's kids. And that's the idea of the movie. I have to, that's class warfare. No, no, that's not true. No, that is class
7: warfare. You want to take my money and give it to public schools. That is redistribution of wealth.
11: When you um, see the movie, you meet this kid named Anthony. Yes. Who says, I want my kids to do better than what I would have. And you meet Daisy, who says, all I want to be is a doctor. And they they want a great future and what a f- how how successful they are will affect you Stephen. even if you live in a gated house
7: no you the, one of the ways that uh, uh certain school systems are addressing this problem is with charter schools that's right well, uh, why not just make every school a charter school and then Bob's your uncle, you're done.
11: Because you can't make enough charters for the full system.
7: Now, right now, the charters, though, it's done on a lottery system, yeah, right? Yeah. So like, it's kind of heartbreaking. These kids all get into one room with their yeah. parents, yeah. and they roll a little thing, and they pick out the balls, and your number comes up, and you're in.
11: So Daisy and Anthony, and they just want a great school, but the school that they want to go to, they have to win the lottery. So Anthony has a ping-pong ball, and they turn the cage. And if he wins, he's got a great shot at a great education. If he loses, he's stuck in his district school that really isn't working for him. What about this way to raise
7: money for schools? What if we could wager on the children? (laughs) (laughs) I put a bet on Anthony, (laughs) and it pays off big.
11: I think we kind of, in a weird way, we are, because there are winners and there are losers, and the problem is we're losing more than we're winning because we're failing millions of kids every year. Now,
7: Now what about, you say, waiting, waiting for Superman. Do we mean like, you know, like... Clark Kent or the Nietzschean you know, Superman who changes the world with his will toward power?
11: You have to see the movie to find out. What's amazing I is... I have it... to see the movie? You have to see the movie. It's so there's so, so many inspiring. good things on TV. But people... <laughs> People are going to see this movie. People are going to see this movie okay. because they're saying.
7: I saw the oh, last I... one. You scared the heck out of me with the last one, with the, with the Al Gore up good. there, with the, his charts and everything. Is, do, how do you scare me with this one? Seeing this Because fear, fear is a way to communicate. Well, you, I, you communicated effectively with fear in the last one. Well, well, well. Well. As, let me ask you this. If these kids don't get good schools, will our coastal cities flood? Yes, they will. <laughs> They will? Yes, they will. yes, they will. Is there something to be frightened of here?
11: Yes, I, I think so. I mean, we are basically failing the American dream uh-huh. because I think everyone in America, no matter who they are, what language they speak, and how much money they have, deserve a single thing, which is a great education.
7: Now let's talk about the the, the book and the movie. You, you buy the book, fifteen bucks. You go to the movie, fifteen bucks. What happens if you do either one of those things?
11: So uh, here's a here's a ticket. Okay. Yeah. Fifteen. If you buy a ticket uh, through uh, online or yeah. you buy the book, fifteen dollar coupon for the book. $15 ticket um, for the ticket yeah. and you, that's $30 that you can give to a teacher who needs the money for a classroom project through DonorsChoose.
7: So you you get the book, go to the movie, you got a coupon that you can use at DonorsChoose.com and, and then you can use that money toward a classroom project. So
11: the money you're spending on this, you get a free book, a free experience at the movies and you get to help a teacher.
7: Alright. Davis Guggenheim waiting for Superman. Thanks, the movie is in
5: theaters.
8: Los Angeles Times published this article that uh, many in uh, the business of education called shocking. And the reason why they said that is because uh, the Los Angeles Times specifically named uh, several teachers that have been uh, accused of being ineffective in the classroom. So, what the Los Angeles Times is now doing is they're uh, using standardized tests. And they're doing something known as value added analysis. They're looking at these standardized tests and they're evaluating teachers and they're holding them accountable if they are deemed ineffective in the classroom. And they're literally publishing these individuals' names in their articles. So, people uh in the LAUSD this only has to do with the LAUSD, I should specify. People in the LAUSD are upset about this. They think it's unfair for the LA Times to specifically name teachers that aren't doing a great job. I think that this is awesome i think this is great and i think anybody who disagrees with what the los angeles times is doing should really take a step back and look at their own jobs and look at the fact that they're evaluated on a daily basis and teachers the people who are supposed to be educating our youth should also be evaluated And i don't think i want to clarify this as well i don't think that looking at standardized testing is the only way to evaluate teachers i think that maybe it's one red flag that should get administrators in a specific school to become more involved. For instance, if a teacher um, is deemed ineffective based on these standardized test results, then maybe the principal at the school or other administrators at the school should keep a closer eye on that teacher to see how he or she is performing in the classroom, how he or she is engaging the students in whatever the curriculum is. So Jenk, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think the L.A. Times uh, did a bad job in holding these teachers accountable?
4: Look, I know what the so-called liberal position on this is, is that uh, if you water down the public schools, it's bad for everybody. And that part of watering down the public schools is going after uh, the teachers' unions and saying, oh, no, maybe we should do charter schools instead to introduce competition, uh, and that we overemphasize the bad teachers in the schools, etc. Overall, I'm not buying it. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there some truth in that? Of course there is, right? Uh, and we're not conservatives. Nothing's black and white, okay? But overall, when you look at the balancing of this thing, I, I think that there are some teachers that are clearly phoning it in, right? And is that a majority of the teachers? Of course not. But that's not what the LA Times is saying. They're saying we've got these teachers that apparently are not getting the job done. And like anybody, they've got to have some degree of accountability on their job. Absolutely. So, yeah. And and this isn't like college where you need tenure to have academic freedom, so you can write controversial pieces, etc. As long as you're trying, you know, you've got evidence and you're trying to arrive at the truth, etc. This is just, you know, this is teaching high school students, and and it, I'm not trying to minimize that. But you don't need academic freedom for it. It's just the same logic doesn't apply for tenure. Mm -hmm. And in this, and of course, everybody knows what the downside of tenure is. You know, if you remove the incentive to work hard, not everybody, but some percentage of people won't. Right. And that's a problem.
8: No, I agree with you. And you know, this LA Times piece is specifically focusing on uh, elementary school teachers, so teachers between 3rd grade and 5th grade. And what I found the most interesting about this article is it began with a story of two teachers in the same school in Pacoima, California. So Pacoima is a very uh it's the poor area of the valley okay so there's a lot of gang violence there and it's a troubled area so they focused on that school and they focused on two teachers in that school and they were literally across the hall from one another one teacher had students who uh... had standardized test results that were remarkable the other teacher had test results that were terrible okay same school right across the hall from one another and it's not like they're comparing you know rich schools to poor schools they're comparing teachers in the exact same schools to prove that there is it is fact that there are ineffective uh, teachers in our public school system and not enough is being done to evaluate them and hold them accountable and you know what i also liked about this article is the teachers that were named specifically for being ineffective they were surprised at their own test results they were like what my teaching is ineffective i didn't know that how come i don't have administrators working with me and telling me that i need to improve the way i teach the curriculum they have no idea because they're not used to being evaluated you know sometimes teachers and i I know several people who work in administration in the public school system in the l a u s d that that's one of the reasons why i'm so passionate about this because i know from first-hand sources what's really going on and in a lot of schools what happens is a principal for evaluation will go into a classroom and will sit in on a teacher's uh... class one or two times to make sure everything's going good if everything seems to be fine that's it that's the extent of the evaluation I think that that's the most unreasonable thing in the world. I think that we have to be evaluated as workers on a daily basis. I'm evaluated on a daily basis, not just by you, but by the audience. Teachers are educating our youth, so they should be evaluated uh, as much as possible.
4: All right, here's my last thought on this. Think about if it's your kid, how much do you want him to be in the room with a teacher that's super effective, and how much do you not want him to be in the room with a teacher that's completely ineffective and when you think about it that way should there be accountability for these teachers of course there should otherwise you know we're all playing lottery with our kids to be honest but
1: if you're gonna play the game boy you gotta learn to play it right you got to know when to hold up know when to fold up know when to walk away and know when to run you never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done Every gambler knows That the secret to surviving Is knowing what to throw away Knowing what to keep
5: Long before the hit documentary Waiting for Superman, teacher union bashing was a staple of media coverage of education, a cause that united liberal and conservative pundits. So it was interesting to see this October 16th headline in the New York Times, Despite Image, Union Leader Backs School Change. The piece noted that Waiting for Superman's primary villain is American Federation of Teachers Head Randy Weingarten, One review of the film said she came off as a foaming satanic beast, and the Times report pointed out that coverage on NBC that coincided with the film was unbalanced. Quote, the lopsided panels often featured Miss Weingarten on one side, facing a murderer's row of charter school founders and urban superintendents. Even Tom Brokaw piled on. Close quote. It's good that the Times pointed this out, though it's odd to present Tom Brokaw's piling on as anything other than media business as usual. Despite a few peculiarities, the article documented how union leaders have often been at the forefront of school reform efforts. Readers learn that a union-run charter school in New York was cut out of the Superman film, perhaps because it would conflict with the film's overall anti-union message. But there's something telling about the fact that an article that recounts facts about reform and teachers' unions is billed as delivering a kind of counterintuitive message. The anti-reform image referenced in the headline was created in good part by bad media coverage, the hint that it's somehow notable that Weingarten is not, in fact a satanic beast, is something short of a complete break from that.
0: A year, a little discount for you. Please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com. Members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. So please, again, check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support.
1: An 8th grade reading list heavily favors stuff that sucks big time. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Ms. Kalesko's 8th grade class charged today that its reading list is little more than a selection of books that blow major chunks. Most of the students see the material as ranging from sucktastic to something, quote, only ass monkeys would read. Ms. Kalesko firmly believes otherwise.
4: Well, the, the children seem to think everything sucks balls. But, uh, you know, I, I think with a little work and, and patience, uh, I can show them that
9: some things don't.
1: Just yesterday, the school's principal was called in to restore order after one of the Henderson twins said Catcher in the Rye could go fuck itself. It took some trust on your part to say the things you need, to say the things you need.
5: I won't say anything that I can't take back, that I can't take back, cause I'm a fake and I can't do this anymore.
2: Ready or not, it's back to school as we all know for millions of kids across the country right now and as all parents either shed a tear or do a happy dance or maybe both, our friend Cenk has a message for you. Mr. Yuger. the floor is yours. Thank you Dylan. Uh New York Times had a story out today about how uh, they're trying a new set of schools in New York and some other places throughout the country. These schools are led by teachers instead of principals. So, worthy effort. I like that they're trying something new. Of course, Barack Obama has raced to the top, which is a whole new Way of trying to find schools that work and promote those. Some liberals are against it because they're worried about what it does to public schools. Some conservatives are against it because it's proposed by Barack Obama. Uh and here's my thought on it. Look, yes. People can blame the teachers, they can blame the principals, they can blame the teachers unions, they can blame the government, they can blame a lot of pe- uh, people. But you know what? We also partly have to blame ourselves. First, let's look at the abysmal numbers to get a sense of how bad it is. For example, in that New York Times story, they talked about the UFT charter school in East New York, Brooklyn. Now, that school has only 22% of last year's 8th graders that passed the test in English, statewide test in English. And only thirteen percent pass in math now those narr- ter- uh, those numbers are terrible they 're abysmal now citywide it doesn 't get much better in new york only thirty seven and a half percent passed in english and forty six point three percent passed in math. okay, disaster on top of disaster those are totally unacceptable now, when you go nationwide, the numbers don 't get much better. Uh, the USA spends the second most amount of money among developed countries in the world. So it's not that we're not spending enough money, but our result is that we rank 23rd in 15-year-old achievement, which again sucks. Now there's a long list of countries that are above us in education. You know, you could look at Australia, Belgium, Hong Kong, Switzerland, Czech Republic, and the list goes on and on and on. So. Look, what what can we do to fix this, and how can we get uh, personal improvement here—not just government-wise, but in our own lives? Well, I want to tell you a story about my dad and myself, and give you a sense of what you can do. First of all, as uh, somebody who's got kids in school, you know what you should do—you should demand that they get straight A's, that they get a 4.0. That's what my dad demanded of me, and that's what he demanded of himself. So, what happened? My dad started in a little town in southeastern Turkey near the Syrian border in Kilis. He had absolutely nothing to his name, and neither did his family, and what they relied on was hard work and education. And from that little town, he wound up getting a, into a good school because of good grades in Istanbul. He took that, turned it into a good graduate program here in uh, St- Stevens Institute of Technology in America, and wound up getting. Great jobs afterwards. Why? Because of education. Because he demanded something more of himself and his family did. And then he instilled that in me and I'd get a test score of a 98 and he'd tell me where the other two points go. Now, some people might find that oppressive. I didn't. You know what it told me? It told me that excellence was demanded of me. And it worked. I wound up getting into Wharton Business School, Columbia Law School, and now, you know, I. Every once in a while, substitute on the Dylan radigan show. Look at the success <laughs> <Yeah>. we've
3: got. <laughs> I was going to say you
2: shouldn't tell your friends that 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 it has resulted in uh, in slumming with me, Jank. But uh, it's a pleasure to see <laughs> you. And, I mean, you got many other things that you do. So,
0: uh, yeah. Are you finished? Because I do have some questions, but I don't want to interrupt you either.
2: Just real quick here. Look, you know, we wound up having a very successful show called The Young Turks Online. We're doing well, but that's. But some of my classmates wind up becoming United States congressmen, wind up running parts of Google, et cetera, and the list goes on and on. Hedge funds in New York, and they weren't any from any rich families. They just got straight A's and went to good schools and got good jobs. And any of you can do that out there, whether you're in New York or you're in Texas or you're in Arkansas. Tell your kids get straight A's. They can do it. You have to believe in them. And if you believe in them, that's the results you're going to get. And and I just want everybody. I understand the American dream is still possible, but we've got to expect it of our kids.
6: All right, Jay, it's Chuck in Salt Lake City. Uh, I'm actually calling because you had a call for feedback on the should uh, religion be viewed in a positive light on your show question. I actually agree completely with you. I'm not sure if I would enjoy your show so much if uh, we were always trying to balance uh, the stories with the uh, fellow leftists who happen to be religious Um, I really love your shows that, uh, uh, show the hypocrisy and the, uh, awkward position that religion and religious people put themselves in, so I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure how I would like it if it was the other way around. Uh, I think, uh, I think I like it the way it is, (laughs) and as much as, uh, as much as I know that there are those fellow, uh, lefties out there who, who are religious, I think that, uh, our cause is best served keeping the religion out of it anyway, love the show, keep it up man
1: Hey Jay, my name is Walker and I'm from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas I just want to say, uh, for my job I drive around all day and any station you listen to uh, there's going to be a right wing Republican on it and there's probably going to be more than one station that carries that person and I find that disgusting and what you do I feel at least brings some kind of balance to people who are in an area that don't get to hear both sides of the story whether they agree or not or whether they think you're right um, what you're doing is good and I hope that you keep doing it and that you're able to do it and that I can contribute to you soon. Thanks bud. Hey, Jay. This is a listener from San Antonio, Texas. I just listened to your podcast on ending Nixon's war on non-pharmaceutical drugs. And it's always been uh, an issue with me about the war on marijuana, which defies logic. As a Democrat, I feel like I've been betrayed by both President Obama and uh, other Democrats. Uh, legalizing was at the top voted question multiple times on change.org. And all we got out of Obama was he just laughed at it. And then now in California, Feinstein and Boxer, are both against Proposition 19, um, I'm just, I'm to the point now where if I have to vote across party lines, I'm ready. So someone like Gary Johnson, uh, any, uh, any Republican who has a real chance at, at, at winning, who professes that they're ready to re-legalize marijuana, I'm ready to vote for them. You know, four years later, I'll, I'll go back, but, but I'm, that's, it's become such a crazy issue. It's basically, uh a situation where it's time to end marijuana prohibition It was founded on lies and racism and and it's time to time to change it i just want to thank you for raising the issue
0: Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. And, man, on this show, I i mean, it's been a while since we've done an education show, and frankly, that's because no one ever talks about it. I mean, clips for this show had to be gathered over the course of many, many weeks just to get enough material for a show, and uh, and I think that is pretty indicative of the problem we have. And you know, so not terribly long ago, I, uh, I I talked about how the debate over gay marriage and don't ask, don't tell were some of my favorite issues to deal with because they're so easy. You know, and it's not they're not like my pet project by by any stretch, but um, but they're fun because they're simple. Um, You don't have to get into a lot of weeds to decide what's morally right about treating everybody fairly or discriminating against some people. You know, it's really clear cut and really easy to argue. And for me, education is about the exact opposite of that. Um, it's, It's an incredibly difficult question that by its very nature, you know, because kids learn differently, like everybody learns differently. Uh, no education system can be a one-size-fits-all sort of program and function properly. And so by its very nature, it's one of the most complicated things that we have to deal with. Uh, it's entirely fundamental to the success of a population. To, to be educated is is really like – especially in this day and age uh, when, when people can't just go and uh, – sustain the family farm, um, you know, being educated is incredibly important, and yet it's something we're doing very badly, uh, and no one seems to have any idea of how to fix it. And so uh yeah, so for me this is like one of the most frustrating things to deal with. And and then honestly, because because I, I never hear it talked about, um, I, I don't even have a firm grasp on my opinion of what should be done. I don't have a firm grasp on the you know, the the opposing arguments about, uh, you know, teacher unions. I don't have a really firm grasp on, uh, you know, the debate over uh, funding. You know, lots more funding could end up just kind of going into a black hole, or it could be spent appropriately and actually make a difference. Man, it's uh, it's tough, you know, and and so the the only thing that I uh, have a sense about. I will say, and, and in regarding funding is my sense is that schools should be, uh, funded in such a way that they are nice places, you know, I just, you know, I, I wasn't a kid that long ago. And, um, and my sense of it is that if the place you have to go every day is nice and, you know, it's new and kind of shiny, and it looks like it's taken care of well. Uh, for a decent size of the population of kids, that's going to have an impact on how seriously they take their school. You know, how how seriously they take their school, and then by extension, how seriously they take their education. If they're going to a place that is you know run down or a, as a, a high school in my hometown in California, I learned while I lived there I was astonished it it actually used to be a prison and uh or or it was like a you know like low security but it was like like a women's prison or something converted to a high school and so it was this giant cement building with no windows and that was their high school and like that's something that's not going to work so there you go. I guess the, the, this whole commentary is is a big fat no comment on my part. Um, you know, usually I let the show do my talking for me in terms of what I believe and and, and the direction I think we should go. Uh, you know, the commentators uh, just they kind of they say what they want to say, and when I agree with them, they get put in the show, and that's uh, that's how you know what I think. In uh, in this case, um, you know, we had some opposing views uh, expressed on the show, and. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Lots of people I trust and think are smart and are very well-intentioned disagree. So I'm just in the position of uh, hoping against hope that, you know, when you put really smart people in charge and they spend all of their time thinking about this and trying to figure out what, uh, what the right thing to do is, that we'll start heading in that direction, whatever direction that may be. And so now I just want to thank a couple of members before I go. Beth F. signed up for a monthly membership back on September 11th and has stuck with the show since then. And then I think very appropriately for this education show, I want to thank Chuck and Emery H., who signed up uh, just – the brand-new members just signed up on uh, November 4th right after meeting me in Washington, D.C. after the uh, Rally for Sanity. And uh, so Chuck and Emery are father and son team both listen to the show and Emory, if I recall, is about 10 years old. So, uh, so that's pretty awesome to know that, uh, that he's checking out the show and enjoying it. And, um, you know, you guys, if you have an opinion on, uh, how we should fix the education system, being so connected to it and, uh, and also plugged into the show as you are, uh, certainly let me know. I'll pass the word along. Now, besides the members, of course, who make the show possible, everyone can support the show in their own little way just by telling everyone you know about it. Word of mouth helps enormously, so please keep that up. You can stay plugged into the show between episodes and help spread the word online by joining us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find out details to the show itself. Including links to the sources and music used in this and every episode, always listed in the show notes on the blog. So, coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 10 times a month. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com.